Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, February 15th, 2024, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all doing just unbelievable today. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 298. What a main card it is. I think it's going to be a super fun watch. I think the timing of this card could not be any better because it's been a pretty slow start for the UFC in terms of the in-cage action. But I have a hard time believing that this card is not going to deliver the last... I don't know. I think there's something to like about almost every single fight on the card. I know there's not a lot of star power like on the early prelims, but man, the last six fights are interesting. The stakes are high. Love the main card opener between Fluffy Hernandez and Roman Kop- Kopilov. The Marab demolished Billy Henry Cejudo fight completely flying under the radar. All anybody seems to be talking about is this Henry Cejudo, Captain Eric crap, which is just ridiculous. We knew it was phony baloney. Uh, and that's pretty much what it was. I know Captain Eric is denying that, but seemed pretty pretty phony baloney there. Uh, the stakes are raised a little bit more. Henry Cejudo saying it's all or nothing against Marab. He wins. He continues on a road to try to get back his Bantamweight title. If he loses, he's done. And that one's just completely flying under the radar. Ian Machado Gary versus Jeff Neal. What a fight that is. Very, very interesting. Robert Whittaker, Paulo Costa, completely flying under the radar. And then what a friggin' main event. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Taporia. Can Ilya Taporia back up the trash talk? Or will Alexander Volkanovsky 
continue his dominance at 145 pounds, entering 2024 in unfamiliar territory, coming off of a losing year, yet undefeated at 145 pounds. It's very rare on this program we get to react to some breaking news, but we just got some from the UFC. I don't think it's a real big surprise that UFC Atlantic City on March 30th has a new main event. Originally, it was supposed to be, at least according to the announcement from Data White, Vicente Luque versus Sean Brady. That fight was never a done deal. Brady never signed a contract. Brady was dealing with some injuries. And now Aaron Blanchfield versus Manon Fioro has been elevated to the main events. There's just no other fight to really put in that position. And there you go. I love that it's five rounds. The stakes are incredibly high. You have to imagine that the winner's got to get themselves a title fight. And it's, it's a huge fight. It's a huge fight for this division right now. So kudos to them. Well-deserved. They get to do it in front of a crowd. And it should be a lot of fun. So let's go to the peeps. Let's go to all of you. And we will discuss all of this and much more, whatever is on your mind. And we will begin with Velo on this Thursday. Velo, are you there? Yup, 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 I'm here. What's up, man? What's good with you, Mike? Man, I watch the show all the time, man. It's, it's, it's actually fucking crazy that you accepted my shit. Appreciate it. Of course. What's on your mind? Shit. Me and my boy, we... we... We we made our we made our picks at the beginning of this week. We going with Volk, even though we know how crazy Taporia has been going. And but like we still we still giving an edge to Taporia, but like a little bit of an edge. But we still think Volk gonna come through. Like there's no way somebody that dominant is gonna fold to somebody who's like just still fresh to the game. You know? Yeah, man. I uh, look. I'll I'll break the fourth wall here. Uh, as you all know. When it comes to the watch parties that we do, we, GC and I, like to play some wagers. GC puts his wagers on every card. I just do them for the watch party for content purposes. Uh, I have some exposure on this fight. I have this main event goes over one and a half as a parlay piece in a passive parlay. I also have a bet on Volkanovski straight at minus 125. And I also put a little sprinkle on Volkanovski by KO, TKO, DQ at plus 250. Look, if, if Ilya Tapori goes out and backs up everything he said, I would not be surprised. Like, I won't be stunned by that. But until I see Volk falter at 145, I can't bet against the guy. I just can't. The same, like, we were literally having the same conversation about Yair Rodriguez in July. You remember that? Everyone was like, oh, from a stylistic perspective, Volk, Volk might be in trouble here. Yair, with his style, like, I think he's the guy to do it. And Volk just trucked him. That fight was not competitive at all. Not even for a minute. And Taporia is incredibly talented. I think he's just scratching the surface of how good he is going to be. And no disrespect to Josh Emmett, because Josh is a, is a very good fighter. But man, 
what a leap from Josh Emmett to Volkanovsky. Like they're, I don't know. I just think it's, it's a little too quick. I would like to see Tapori have one more. Like I didn't want to see the Holloway fight, but if you did Yair or you did Ivloyev or you did, you know, Ortega or somebody like that, even like a Calvin Cater or something, I would have been, you know, a little better. Not say like Cater Emmett. I, I thought Cater won that fight. I still think Cater would win that fight if they fought again. But this is just a big leap. And who knows? This could pay off really to Poirier. And if it does, he goes out there and beats Volk. I mean, he is going to be a star. Like a massive, massive star. But I think Volk... I think Volk's just handling this all very well. The video he put out about him being too old was incredible. I love his attitude this week. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to do it. I think Tapori is going to learn a... Very valuable lesson. And I think I, I think I heard Ariel Hawani say this on the MMA hour yesterday that this feels sort of like a GSP Matt Hughes moment where GSP got in there with Matt first time, loses the fight, wins a couple, gets back, and then finally becomes the champion and the welterweight that we knew he could be. I kind of feel like this is what we might see with Ilya Taporia. If he loses to Volk, it's not like he's never getting another title shot. In fact, he might get a title shot like right after this if Volk decides to go to 155. Is anyone going to complain if they do Taporia versus Mavzar Evloyev for the vacant belt? No. No one's going to complain about that. I would love to see that fight. So, yeah. That's what I have right now. But again, I would not be surprised at all if Taporia is who he says he is. I've been very high on this guy from Jump Street. But there are some tendencies... There are some openings for Volk, and he is probably the smartest fighter in the sport pound for pound right now when it comes to in-fight in adjustments and game planning and all that. So cannot wait for that fight. Honestly, I cannot wait. It's my favorite fight on the books right now. Crying belly. What's going on, Mike? What's up, brother? Um... Look, man, it, it, I, I kind of wanted to come on here not to really rant, but I just want you to follow me for a second, right? Um, been thinking a lot uh, last week, came on here, told you that Dana White, and, and you know, before, <clears throat> it, it's, it's, it's really a shame that, that the UFC, that 298s in a few days and the UFC's making everybody linger and hang on to what the 300 main event's going to be. And it kind of leads into this weekend with Volk and everything because, um, look, I really think that the UFC fumbled the bag. You know, they're sitting here looking for a fight. And you know what? This week, or um, UFC 300 should have been Volkanowski versus Islam, too. And that's I, I really think that that's, that's what would have um, completed the, the card because, you know, um, it's a shame that the 298s in a few days and they're releasing, you know, they're making everybody uh, think about, you know, what's going on. You have these social media pages that are, that are, that, you know, we're talking about it. I mean, we're talking about it. That's, that's what it is. The, the Super Bowl ad was supposed to come. You had Dana White going there talking about a dude needing a new arm or something. I don't even know. I was, I was, I was disappointed. Um, 
it, it's it's a real shame though that. Yep. You have Conor McGregor that he's been in the testing pools. I've seen like pictures and whatnot. And then you have come on here. Um, he comes on interviews time and time again, and he keeps on like like he just keeps beating around the bush and giving, you know just bad answers bad and and if it and if it comes with like a contract extension issue if that's the reason why they don't want to book them like that's just so like selfish in my opinion and i think it's just bad it's it's bad and i hope i really hope they get this thing figured out with mcgregor because it just makes me so angry that that they can't get this guy a fight and but yeah, just back to 298 though. I I really think that I really think the UFC fumbled the bag by they. It should have been Islam versus uh, <clears throat> uh, Volk two at 300, and now they're scrambling looking for a fight that's going to make it. I mean, I've caught uh, one like that's not going to really get. The fan, like 299 and 298 is going to be better. So uh, let me know what you think, man. Have a good one. Oh, all right. So a, a few things there. One, I I cannot wait for this friggin' main event to be announced because I'm so free. Like, I just am done talking about it. And I'm not saying that to, like, dog you. It's just the whole scenario because I agree with you. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? And I, like we knew what this is going to be, right? We knew that Connor wasn't going to get the spot for a number of reasons. Even though Connor wants it, and it's right there, and it made all the sense in the world, the UFC doesn't look at things that way. They look at things as, look, three hundred's going to get a mill. Anytime we put Connor on a card, it's going to get a mill. So we're going to try to get multiple bites of the apple. But when you do that, you put yourself in these vulnerable positions, and the UFC has been in these positions many times before. They've had to cancel pay-per-views because they weren't able to book main events. They've had to do it multiple times. And I just don't, I don't understand what's happening right now. I don't understand what's happening. I truly hope that tomorrow, when they do this Q&A or whatever, that we know what the main event is. That it is announced. And if Dana goes up to the fucking press conference after 298 and just mumbles his way through the announcement, I'm just going to be like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And there's a lot to this, too. First of all, you're right. This whole thing has buried 298. And for all the shit Dana likes to say about the media, we're just trying to bury the company, we hate the UFC, guess what? Nobody has put this card over more than us. Nobody. We're doing a way better job putting this card over than the UFC is. It's not even close. It's not even close how much better we are promoting this card than the UFC is. We are putting this thing over. We're talking about Volkanovski Taporia as the best fight on the books for 2024 right now. The UFC ain't doing that. Instead, Dana's going on Howie Mandel and staging a walk-off. 
30 seconds into the show. Like, that's what we're doing with our time? Come on. This is the shit that annoys me. And people say like, oh, you guys hate Dana and you hate the UFC. No. We want the UFC to do the thing. It's right there. This whole made of a thing. What? It seems like DDP and Izzy is it's right there. It's so simple. And yes, I understand. Like if you announce Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shemaev, like if that fight gets made and that's the announcement, like that's a, wow, didn't see that one coming. And I get it. And I will give the UFC some credit that they are at least trying here. Like it seems like they want to do something cool, but it's just too late. It's just too late. When we're asking about UFC 300 back in like October and November, what was always the answer? Oh, I'm not even thinking about 300 right now. I'm focused on this. He turned it, Dana White all of a sudden turned into Bill Belichick. Oh, we're not thinking about 300. We're on our way to the apex. We're only thinking about Saturday at the apex. This is what happens when you don't think about that stuff. And now think about this. It should be DDP Izzy. Whatever DDP wants, just give it to him. Whatever Izzy wants, just give it to him. I'll tell you what. If they end up announcing Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad, it's going to be tough scenes. And at the same time, this just kills Bilal Muhammad if they announce this. Because through no fault of Bilal Muhammad's, he is going to get the brunt of the shit if they announce that as the main event. And it's not even his fault. It's not even his fault. You know what Bilal Muhammad has become? Did you ever see the movie Bridesmaid, Bridesmaids? And Kristen Wiig's character is having this like hookup relationship with John Hamm. And John Hamm has her like fifth on his hookup list. That's who Bilal Muhammad is right now. Bilal Muhammad is the guy that like if John Hamm can't score at the bar, they call Bilal Muhammad. Like that's what he's become. And if they announce this as the main event, like this is what Bilal Muhammad looks like. He's the last resort. He's the last phone call. He's the... What are you doing at 3 a.m. text message? It's ridiculous. And I feel for the guy. I do. I truly feel for the guy. Because he deserves this shot. And now you're putting him in this position? Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, he's... It, people don't like Bolal anyways. He can't get over with the people. The UFC certainly isn't helping. The UFC certainly doesn't want him fighting for the belt for some reason. And now you're going to bury him potentially by announcing he, he fights for the belt in the main event of UFC 300? You know what they could have done? They could have announced Leon versus Bilal as the main event in December and then built the rest of the card around it. Or at the same time they announced the Holloway Gaethje fight, if they just announced Leon Bilal there, yeah, it kind of would have been flatulence in church to some people, but at least like we were prepared for it and you're building around it. And now if you, if you put... Leon and Bilal in this position. Bilal's just going to get buried. And it's like not fair to him at all. It's not fair. And the fight is going to be a competitive, high-level martial arts fight. But it's also going to be, I think we understand what this fight's going to be. It's not going to be Holloway and Gates. Like Holloway and Gates, you're going to blow the fucking roof off. And then we go to Leon and Bilal, which is going to be a fine fight. It's going to be a chess match. And then... We just leave the event being like, okay, that was fine. But man, Gaethje Holloway was great. I don't know. I really hope it's DDP Izzy. Like that is a, that, that, that's a fantastic fight. We don't need to overthink this. 
Like, why are we banging our heads against the wall? Let's just make this fight. What are we doing? If I had to guess, they're going to go that route. They're going to do DDPism. But I have no insight to this. This just seems to be my guess. I don't know. I hope we get this answer soon, for the love of God. Because it's taken on a life of its own. Uh, Lee, go ahead. Nope. You know, I think it was the card of um, Valentina versus uh, like way back. Um, I was just wondering because I've been watching every card since then. Like, when did you actually start following the sport and you know watching every event? Uh, yeah, have a heck of a rest of your day. So I, I mean, I got into it during like. I mean, obviously, I would watch, like, casually. Like, if I was out and, like, I was at a bar or shooting pool or something and it was on, like, I'd watch it. First event I ever bought was UFC 40, Tito Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock. Because I was a big WWE fan. Ken Shamrock leaves WWE to go back to UFC to go fight Tito. And they built this thing up really well. So I, I bought that one. And then I would just kind of watch casually. Once the Ultimate Fighter started, that's when I, like, really started to get back into it. Loved the show back then. Diego Sanchez was just such a wacko that I just I had to watch every Monday. And then the finale happens and the UFC starts to explode. And I, I started to get into it. But it's as a lot of you know, if you've been fans for a long time, it comes sort of in ebbs and flows, right? Things are happening. Like Chuck Liddell's just ethering people. And then Father Time catches up. This guy comes in there, he's on a run, then Father Time catches up. We're seeing Matt Hughes lose to everybody. There's just like a lot that was happening, and I was just like, eh, I don't know if I like have it in me to just to keep up with everything. And then once I started, I mean, I was paying attention to everything. I was reading MMA fighting and you know, keeping up with everything. It's kind of like how I am with like Monday Night Raw right now. Like I'll watch once in a while, but I will always jump on the internet Tuesday morning to see like what happens the night before. And that was kind of what it was with the UFC until I started talking to the fighters. Once I started talking to the fighters and talking more about the sport, then I was all in. That was it. That was probably in 20 end of 2014 heading into 2015. And then probably by like early 2015, February, 2015, it was off to the races. That was it. They had me. They had me from there, and it's just been different and different and, and finding new ways to, to do things and make the sport digestible. But I also, want, I also feel like one of the things I've learned, like covering the sport, especially getting to MMA fighting, is that there aren't a lot of people like covering the sport, or at least from a, a, like a pundit perspective, that are telling you the truth that are being honest that are like saying what they feel like you do in every other sport and like every other broadcast desk every other show and i don't feel like a lot of people do that and i feel like that's something that that we've done pretty well is like we just tell you like it is there's a certain expectation we expect from the ufc being the number one organization in the world the ones that built the sport to what it is today and i will give them credit till the day i die for that 
But, you know, if an Apex card sucked at a Leox, we're going to tell you it sucks. Just like on an NFL show, if, you know, the two shittiest NFL teams are playing each other on Thursday Night Football, they're going to be like, eh, this game's not very good. Maybe find something else to do on a Thursday night. You know what I mean? So, but I, I trust me, I love the sport. I want the sport to grow and be the biggest it could possibly be. But yeah, long story short, late 2014 is when I was like all in and I haven't really missed much. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to... J-Mac. What's up, J-Mac? How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Just wondering if you saw that. I don't know if you talked about it or not because I, I just got on, but uh, that Dana White interview with uh, Howie Mandel where he walked out on the set. Did you see, see that? I did. Um, as Rihanna likes to say, work, 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 work. It's a work. There's no doubt it's a work. Howie's show is is pretty new. What a way to get some headlines. He certainly did that. Dana will be back on with Howie, and that'll be like his biggest episode. Like, come on. We, we know what this is. We know what this is. Let's go to Four Ounce Sniper. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, uh, first things first, heck of a morning to you and all the listeners. Uh, I don't know if you already talked about it. I took a phone call for about five to ten minutes, so I might have missed it. But if you could, could you just uh, give your thoughts on the whole Henry Cejudo situation, him talking about retiring if he loses? Um, if I was betting on him, I would have cashed out that bet so fast because I hate hearing a fighter discuss that, you know, they're on the verge of retiring, but they still are, you know, planning on competing either that weekend or in the near future. So, yeah, just your thoughts on uh, Henry possibly retiring if he loses, but also if he wins but isn't guaranteed a title shot afterwards, do you think he, you know, competes one more time, or do you think that would be it for him? Do you think it's title or bust, essentially? Or uh, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? So the Cejudo thing is interesting. I mean, I think once this fight was booked, that was my initial thought is like, man, 
Like if you're Henry, you just have to do this because this is your last chance. This is your last chance to get a title shot. And unfortunately, you have to go through Marab to do it. But at this point, like, if he loses to Marab, like, what else is there? There's really nothing else. A move to 45 makes absolutely no sense. There is no one who is going to look at Henry Cejudo as a viable title threat at this point. There's so many guys in this division who deserve the opportunity more. And this is why I hated him getting a title shot right off the bat. And I don't want to go back through this whole revisionist history of the Henry Cejudo comeback and how much I hated it and how much this whole thing was, this is just awful by the UFC throwing him into a title fight. Cause now we're in this position where it becomes, Oh, it's do or die. Blah, 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 blah. I will say this though. It has made this fight more interesting to me. Now, a lot of times you look at fighters and you, you think like, eh, you know, maybe this is my last one. Maybe it's not. And when I hear that, then I'm like, all right, fade, 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 fade it up. But a guy like Cejudo, who has been so competitive all of his life, a guy like that needs to find chips, however they can do it. And if for Henry Cejudo, it's, listen, I'm going to go one more. If I beat Marab, you know, great. If I lose, I'm done. Like, he's at least realistic with this notion because he screwed up this entire thing. Once he left the UFC after beating Dominic Cruz, like, it just all fell apart for him. It just all fell apart for him. If he waited, like, two more title defenses and did it, he would have been in a much better position. But he did it too early. Then he comes back. We knew he was going to come back. But yeah, I honestly, I think this fight's going to be incredibly competitive. I do have, what is my Marab bet? I know I have a Marab bet. I have, I have a bet on Marab by decision at minus 135. Um, but honestly, like I would look, like Henry Cejudo, like if I wasn't going like a proppy bet, like, if I was going to bet on this fight, I would bet – I wouldn't bet on Cejudo to win. But I like that plus three and a half number. Because I think I think this, this could be a 29-28 across the board. There's going to be a lot of clinch grappling. Henry Cejudo is much better getting off the fence than Jose Aldo is or was when Marab fought him. And I think the fight's going to look kind of like the Aldo fight. But Cejudo's better and he can hit. Dude, dude's a hitter, still a hitter. So I do think it's a good fight. But if Henry wins, he's getting a title shot. I can, I guarantee he's getting a title shot. Especially if Sean O'Malley wins. Sean O'Malley will go all in on the Cejudo fight. He will go all in on it. No doubt in my mind. And if Cheeto wins, I still think that's the fight they're going to make. So, yeah. And then on the other end, that's where things get real interesting. Marab wins. I don't know if Sean fights him next. I really don't. But if Cheeto wins, then he'll fight Marab. I don't know. It's just a weird situation. It's 2024 in the UFC, and that's the world we live in, my friends. Let's go to Cole. What's up, Cole? Good morning, Mike. 
So when you started the space this morning, you said that the Cejudo Captain Eric thing was totally manufactured, but I don't know if you realize this, but your interview with Anik is kind of the missing piece to this puzzle. So that that countdown clip of Cejudo being like, I'm letting you go, that was filmed in December, Captain Eric said. And your interview with Anik had to be, what, two and a half weeks ago, probably-ish, maybe two weeks ago. So that's not Anik looking at the – and the countdown was released on Sunday. That's not Anik looking at the countdown video and then saying it, it's looking like he's making changes to his corner. That's Anik getting the corner men from Cejudo by the UFC. That's, that's him getting his prep sheet or whatever. So I feel like it was real because – Captain, it, it, it was real since December because Captain Eric ha, has been training with Paulo Costa and uh, Patricio in Brazil or wherever he, he's been. He hasn't been with Cejudo. And it's totally Cejudo backpedaling after all of this backlash. It 100% is. Like, there's no way Anik says it's looking like Cejudo's making changes to his corner in your interview with him and, there's, and not talking about Captain Eric. There's no way he's not talking about that. So... At one point, Eric, Captain Eric was taken off of Cejudo's cornerman list. So I feel like the second I saw Ariel's tweet being like, if you ever, anyone who ever believed this, you're a mark, whatever, whatever he said. I, I think your interview, it's a victory lap for you. Your interview with Anik is the missing piece to this puzzle. He was, he was off the corner list at one point, and now he's back on. A hundred percent. What do you, what do you think about that? So you're right. And that was one of my takeaways from the conversation with John was him saying like the corner looks different and he even revealed it on his show. Um, when he, they were talking to Ray Longo about it, he listed off the names and this was, I think they recorded this on Monday. Captain Eric wasn't on the list and I don't know if he is on the list. I honestly don't know. I don't know how, like, if and how you can change that at this point. Like, once you put out who you, who's in your corner, like, can you, you could just change it, like, on a whim for no reason other than, like, ah, we fooled the people because of the video we did on Countdown. So I, I don't know. I don't know. And you're right. I, I obviously thought about that. What I, what I mean that it's phony is that that conversation was phony. Like, the whole thing to do it on camera like that, like, it just looked so staged. And I'm not saying that Henry and Captain Eric didn't have a prior conversation that may have gotten a little bit more heated than that moment. But there's no, like, it's just, there's just nothing that seemed real about that moment. It just looked really stagey to me. And that's all. And then to play it off like, oh, we got you, Polly Shore style and Entourage. I'm like, you didn't get anybody. Like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You look like an asshole. Like, you looked like an asshole the entire time. It's so dumb. Like, that's like, it's just the unfortunate thing. Like, the old, the big headliney thing about. Marab versus Henry was the was a fake firing Michael Scott style. Like, what are we doing here? It's just lame. 
And it sucks too, because like Henry's so thoughtful at media day and stuff. And then this is like the whole conversation. Like, ugh. Just so stupid. Jay Stat, hello. Hello, Mike. Heck of a morning to you. Um, what are your thoughts on Roman Kopilov versus Anthony Hernandez? And uh also your thoughts on Ian Gary versus Jeff Neal. That'd be all. Thank you. I love both fights. It's man, Hernandez Kopilov is such a good fight. It's a great main card opener. Like this is this is the fight that just screams open up the pay-per-view. Because it ain't going to the cards. Either Hernandez is just going to run him over and tap him and just grind him out until he puts him away, or Kopulov's going to defend a takedown and just land a bolo on him and knock him dead. So I think Hernandez is going to win. That dude's gas tank is ridiculous. Uh, his pace is unbelievable at 185 pounds. But he is a, he's kind of chinny, a little bit. Kevin Holland beat him up. And I know this was, that was a different time. That was years ago. But I think Hernandez is just, he's on one right now. And Kopilov's looked real good. But Hernandez, to me, has just fought way better guys. And while I think Kopilov is, is very good and exciting and non-middleweighty, neither of these guys are going to be contending for the middleweighty middleweight title anytime soon. Uh, I think almost like uh, to some extent, but not exactly the same, kind of like Joe Pfeiffer versus Jack Hermanson. I just feel like Hernandez has just fought better guys, has been in bigger spots, and Roman's taking this fight on relatively short notice. He's looked real good, but he hasn't beat anybody fantastically great. So I think Hernandez's experience will be the difference here. And that fight's going to be incredibly fun. So I think Hernandez does finish him, but if Kopilov boops him, it wouldn't surprise me. And, uh, dude, Ian Gary, Jeff Neal's going to be really, really interesting. I got Ian Gary winning, though. If Ian Gary's, like, on his game, he's going to win. Uh, go ahead, Four Corner Sports. Well, it's actually the first time somebody actually mentioned Ian Gary's name. Because um, it's funny, in December, he was the story, and now he may be, like, the, the fifth or sixth fighter that people are actually talking about. On, on this card. Um, I actually wanted to talk about um, Paulo Costa, you know, saying that he might actually win, you know, if he defeats Robert Whitaker, he gets a title shot. I don't know if it's justified, um, but um, if that is the case, um, you know, and, and if the rumors are true that it's going to be DDP versus Izzy, I'm not saying for 300, but, you know, for a future date, who would you want Costa to fight? Do you, would you care for the rematch between Izzy and Costa? Would you or would you want to see DDP versus Costa? And then um lastly I wanted to talk about is um the whole Jeff Neal, Ian Machado Gary. I'm very interested to see what um how Ian is gonna look in training and shoot the box and, and shoot the box with uh, Charles Oliveira. Um I think that, you know, we might see like a new dynamic from him. Do you feel like this this fight might be like the the fight that that takes over like um outside of the main event just because i feel like there's n very little traction that people are talking about this fight and uh you know jeff neal this guy's always game i mean we saw him fight um shavkat where i was very impressed in his performance even in a loss 
and the way that Ian ended up uh, knocking out Dan Daniel Rodriguez and his performance against Neil Magny, I feel like this kid has so much potential, but, you know, if he loses, then, you know, the downfall might be, you know, pretty steep. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so the Costa thing, I don't think he's wrong, honestly. I mean, well, let me, let me, let me preface this by saying if DDP is the champion and let's just say DDP does fight Izzy and wins, Paul Costa's getting titles, right? If he beats Rob Ortica, like they're going to do it. Paul is over. It's popular. And he's never fought DDP. Like, from a stylistic perspective, that is going to be... That's not a car crash. That's an 18-wheeler crash. That might be the funniest fight ever. Like, in the best possible way. Those two guys getting after it. So, I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong. Now, if they do DDP Izzy and Izzy wins, Costa ain't getting a title shot. No one's going to pay 80 bucks to watch that again. You know, probably get, like, Izzy Hamzat or something. So he'll still have some more work to do. But yeah, I, I don't think he's terribly wrong, especially if DDP is still the champion. Who knows? If they can't get Izzy on board for 300 and Costa just dumps, runs over Robert Whitaker, maybe Costa turns around for 300 and they do DDP Costa at 300. Is that like the worst main event ever? No. I think people would be kind of okay with that, especially if he runs over Robert Whitaker. The Gary fight, again... He's just so good. Like, Ian Gary, whether you like him or not, if you don't like his trash talk, you can't deny that he's, like, a superbly talented fighter. Dude is real, real good. And Jeff Neal is real good, too. But I, I, I don't know. I just think Ian is just... He's that guy. I just think he's the dude. He's that good. And... If both guys bring their absolute best and they fight 10 times, Ian Gary's going to win all 10 times. And I think Jeff Neal's going to get a little emotional. I'm sure the press conference is going to be real dumb when Ian Gary has a microphone in front of him. But I have a bet on... I'm a little exposed on Ian Gary, probably more than I should. Uh, from a betting perspective. So I went with um, Ian Gary minus three and a half points at minus 125. Uh, and I am also putting a sprinkle on Ian Gary by submission at plus 800 because something tells me that Ian Gary is going to try to be, try to go out there and submit, submit Jeff Deal. Just so he can be like, see, I told you, motherfuckers, I am a, the best grappler in the history of grappling you haven't even seen my grappling here he says best grappler in the world so I'm, I'm putting a little sprinkle on it i think he's gonna try to submit jeff Neal. like even if he hurts him with strikes i think he's gonna try to still try to submit him just so we can prove a point so that's just kind of he kind of strikes me as that guy so yeah and if he loses it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough it's gonna be a tough road for him for a little while but he'll, he'll come back. And if he beats Jeff Neal, I would not be stunned if they gave him Colby next. Could absolutely see that fight being made. 
Let's go to Keelan. Mike, hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show. Thanks, man. What's up? Uh, so, Mike, my, my question was, and I'm not sure if you've covered this or not. Sorry, I was a bit late getting in. Um, at the press conference, Ian Gary was asked about bringing an event finally to Ireland. And obviously, being Irish myself, I was very curious to get your thoughts on this. Um, and as someone who's lived through and witnessed the rise of Conor McGregor from basically where he started to where he is now, I can't really fathom Ian Gary being the one to bring a card back if McGregor wasn't able to. So I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Let me ask you a question. Um, mm -hmm. How does how does like that fan base view Ian Gary right now? Like, do they is he over? Like, do people like actively root for him? Do they like how, what's the vibe like about Ian Gary over there right now? Well, that's actually an excellent question, Mike, because, you know, as somebody who is like an aspiring journalist in our space trying to get into the industry, I kind of have my ear to the ground and I am very curious about this myself. A lot of the fan base seem to really not be as over on Ian Gary as maybe the American audiences or maybe the South American audiences even. A lot of the Irish UK fan base seem to be not necessarily embarrassed by Ian Gary, but I think a lot of us are more realistic in terms of what he's trying to do. And I completely agree with what you just said there. He's a phenomenally gifted fighter. He is just genuinely talented. But I think the problem is, is that he's trying too hard to do what Conor McGregor did, and he's not as quick or as witty as McGregor was. And I think a lot of our fans see that maybe more for what it is than maybe in other parts of the world. And I think a lot of Irish fans especially would more appreciate Ian if he was a bit more like Paul Hughes, for example, at Cage Warriors. And what I mean by that is if he just let his fighting do the talking, I think he would go over a lot better over here. Um, and plus there's the whole stuff with what happened with Neil Magny. I won't get into that because that's old news, but... To answer your question, I don't think he's as over here as he could or should be. And I think if he just let his talent do the talking, he'd fix a lot of that. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm waiting for them to go back. You can't deny that, like, there, there are very few times being a fan of the sport and even covering the sport where I had direct FOMO. And when Connor headlined in Dublin against Diego Brandao. I there was like no other place in the world at that time that I would rather have been than in that building. Like that play like that was maybe the most electric fight card ever. It was unbelievable. It truly was. Watching it on TV like if you haven't if you if you're a newer fan and you have not watched that event, I highly recommend you go watch it because it was basically like Ireland against the world. And the Irish fighters did so well. They were so over. The fans were just on fire. And then Connor goes and melts Diego Brand out at the end. And the place just went bananas. Having said that, they've had a lot of events. And unfortunately, they, they haven't been spectacular events. Uh, and they're not from the UFC. They're from Bellator. And even the PFL has tried to go there. And it almost got, it, it just seemed to me like it almost got to the point where it was like, like too much. 
almost like almost the fans like kind of got burnt out by like lackluster events and just not great cards overall where I mean the hunger was definitely there and like when Bellator was going in there the fans were on fire and going crazy and then eventually they're just like okay another Bellator event okay another PFL event I don't know who half these fighters are it's just I don't know. I I think they need this, and I I, I know Bellator is making their return in Belfast. I think that's smart going to Belfast, doing something a little bit different, going to a different part of Ireland. Could Ian be the guy to do it? Maybe. What I think here's how I would do it. Ian beats Jeff Neal. Cool. Then you do Ian versus Colby. He beats Colby, then you go to Ireland. Give him, give him a big name, give him like a number one contender fight, do a fight night in Ireland, and have Ian headline in a five rounder against, you know, who the hell knows who's going to be the guy at that time against uh, even if it's like a Bilal Muhammad. And look, look at the fan base right now. And again, Bilal. This is really through no fault of his own. Bilal has just become like a heel automatically because of his fighting style and just, I guess, his overall personality. And look, I've been harder on Bilal than most when it comes to his road to getting a title shot. And had he been smarter with the microphone time, I think he'd be in a much better position and probably would have fought for the belt already. But you put Ian Gary against Bilal Muhammad in a main event in Dublin, Ian Gary is going to look like a freaking superstar because people aren't going to cheer for Bilal against Ian Gary. They're just not going to. So that would be my route. I could see it happening. I think Ian could be the guy. It's just not there yet. Not there yet. He still gets some negativity to weed through. And I think if he goes out and beats Jeff Neal and cuts a good promo afterwards and handles himself well, I think the, the temperature will go up a little bit. And if he goes and beats Colby and has a great performance against a guy like that, temperature goes up even more. And then you put him in a high stakes matchup at the end, load the card up with Irish and UK fighters. And I think you got something there, but not yet. We're not there just yet. Uh, Eugene, go ahead. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Um, no. Uh, bounce out and bounce, bounce back in, Eugene. Abzwalia, go ahead. Uh, good morning, Michael. Good morning. Just have a few questions I want to ask. Firstly, with Robert Whitaker Costa, I'm really looking forward to that fight this Saturday. Um, I think that's, in my opinion, any man's land. 
I see a lot of high ends for Costa. You know, he has really good um, leg kicks. And I think if he can really effectively work on the body kicks a lot, he can cause Rob some problems. Rob, you know, is, um, I think Rob might really mix it up, maybe do a little bit of grappling, maybe just try to, you know, slowly break down Costa, maybe do what Adesanya did and just go for the KO. Um, I'm curious, though, with Rob, if he was to lose to Costa, right, that would be two in a row, do you think he um, moves up to light heavyweight possibly? Because he has mentioned this in the past, um, in, you know, about two, three years ago. Or does he just stay in the middleweight division? Um, another question I have is, what are your thoughts on this fight? Um, Dan Hooker versus Renato Moicano. Do you think that would be a really fun fight to make? Or should Dan Hooker still fight the winner, Bobby Green, Jim Miller? That's all I have. Have a great day. I mean, I guess you could do that. I'd rather see Renato fight Patty. Like, just let's just do it. Do it now. It's a win-win for the UFC. Moicano wins. We're in a great place. If Patty wins, it's a ranked win. Like that's the that's the fight you make. That's it. Uh, if they do Dan Hooker, fine. Dan Hooker, I would do like Santini. Santini would have been perfect if they didn't go with uh, with Poirier. But like I don't know. Elvis Brenner would be a good one for Dan Hooker. Like that's kind of where he's at right now, unfortunately. Let me see. There's actually like, let me just look here. I know, I know he's a little dinged up, but man, Fazeev, like that'd be a great comeback fight for Rafael Fazeev. Be per that'd be perfect. That's just kind of where Dan is right now. He's just gonna have to just go through these tests, and he's like the perfect test for a lot of these guys. So, but yeah, if they do Miller. I mean, Miller Green's not bad either. But we'll see. Uh look, Eugene. I think we have you now. Hey, Mike. Uh, heck of a Thursday. Thanks for letting me try again. Um, I had one quick question about superstitions. So everyone is responding to this photo of uh, Ilya touching the belt in the uh, photo promo shoot. It's got, I'm seeing a lot of threads coming up of other instances uh, of challengers touching the belt they had not yet won uh, in front of cameras. So there's Lewis, uh, head of Gone. Gastelum, uh, when Whitaker pulled out, uh, and also he declared himself the champion. Can we think of any examples where someone's lack of superstition paid off besides McGregor? Thanks. I mean, McGregor's obviously the one I think of because he freaking stole the belt multiple times from Jose Aldo. Um, God, off the top of my head, I can't think of any besides Connor. But I think that's probably like the best comparison, right? Because it seems like even though it's I'm not gonna say lazy, but just kind of the easy answer, everything Tapori is doing is Connor-esque. Like what he's doing heading into this fight is very reminiscent of how Connor felt about Jose Aldo. So yeah, I don't know. 
look, I mean, at this point, with everything he's done, with everything he said, the whole IG bio and everything, like, just go off. I mean, you're already all in. You might as well just do everything. Like, just go, all, just go even more all in. Like, buy back in and then just push all those chips back in the middle, too. You've already gone so far. Like, you can't go back now, so you might as well just keep going further over the line. Break all the superstitions. You know, go walk under a ladder. Cross paths of the black cat. Step on the crack on the sidewalk. All of it. Just do it all. Just do it all at this point. You can't, it can't, you can't go any further with it. Like, you just can't. You're already, you're already over the line so far that getting back is just impossible. Ethan, go ahead. Quick ones for you this morning. Uh, so first up relates to this weekend. I'm just wondering, card top to bottom, which fight do you think is going to have the most predictable outcome? And which fight do you think is going to have the opportunity to get a little weird? And we might see something kind of out of left field. Second one relates to kind of the MMA community reaction to the Hamzat versus Leon thing. Seems like people were kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, this doesn't make any sense. So I'm kind of just wondering, do you think people are getting a little sick of Hamzat's smash everybody shtick and they kind of just want to see him fight? Or where do you think we're at on Hamzat right now? Thanks a lot and heck of a morning. So it's interesting when Ariel put this out. And by the way, like I totally understand where Ariel's coming from. And that's why like it just sucks at this point when you want to like put out information and you have to preface everything like a thousand times because of like what could come from it it's just insane like ariel's like trying to put out this information of like here's what i'm hearing none of this is done this is not in the works not targeted none of that and you get all these fucking social media sites they take this information like it's gospel and that it's happening and it's just stupid like it's just dumb like i wish we could just go back to a world where we could be like here's what i'm hearing right now I'm not saying it's a done deal, but like this is what I'm hearing could be happening. And then everyone just fucking loses their mind. 800 social media websites like put out a graphic saying, oh, the fight's done. The fight's done. Leon versus Hamza at UFC 300. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Just listen to what they're saying. Like I know what you're trying to do. It's because of the social media thing now. Oh, impressions get paid. Well, that's fucking stupid. And now you get – you just have to deal with it and it's so stupid. But anyways – I truly, I truly believe that the fight that will get the most reaction, if it's announced, is Leon versus Hamza Shemaev. Because it's just, it's so random that, like, I think it would work as a 300 main event. Like, I think that's, like, the most 300-y main event of the options on the table. Just because it's so out of left field, it just screams 300. I don't love it for a number of reasons. One, the last time Hamzat fought at freaking welterweight, he missed by eight and a half pounds for a fight that he was going he was going to win. No, I love Nate Diaz, love the guy, but he was going to get crushed by Hamzat Shemaev, and that's exactly what Dana and the UFC wanted to happen. And then Hamzat blew weight by a lot. Nate gets the moment out against Tony Ferguson. The MMA gods smiled upon Nathan Diaz that weekend. And it worked out great. And Hamzat still got over, even though he missed weight by a lot. And Kevin Holland's a freaking gangster who will fight anybody for the right amount of money. 
Hashtag prize fighter. I still think that would get the most reaction and the most buzz. Hamzad is still kind of a mystery at this point. I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if people are like totally sick of him, but I think we're getting there. But if they brought him back to fight at 170 for the welterweight title, like that'd be insane. That'd be nuts. Just because, but then yeah, like, will he make the weight? You're playing with fire. And if he wins the belt, like, will he make it again? And if he does and defends the belt, like, will he do it again? Like, there's a lot of questions with it. But I, that's what makes it so interesting because it's so random. Most predictable fight on the card. I mean, it's kind of kind of a cheap answer, but Rinny Nakamura, Carlos Vera seems like about as uh, locked in as you can get for good old Rinya. I don't know if he, I don't know if he gets a finish. He probably he might, but I would say if he loses, it would be one of the more surprising things that things that could happen. What could get real weird? Probably Whitaker Costa. Like I think there's, I do think there's betting value on Paul Costa at plus two hundred five, because I do think things can can get weird. I didn't go that direction. Perhaps I'm a sucker, but I bet Robert Whitaker straight. At what did I get him at? I got him at my. Oh no, I took the points. I took the points. Minus three and a half at minus one twenty-five. Because I think Rob's gonna win. But could things get weird? Absolutely. So that's probably the one that probably has the best chance of getting weird. Although Marab and Cejudo could get pretty weird too. All right, so we got Eric, then we got Matt, then we get Saul, and then we gotta go. Eric, go ahead. Good are you. This is if I, I can't see that Murab. I don't. Th I don't. I can't see Henry Cejudo winning against Murab. I think he's probably done after this. And I think uh, the Deporia and the Volkanovski fight is not going to be in like not going to the judges. I think it's going to someone. I think Volkanovski is probably going to retain. And then I, I think Paul Costa. I think Rob, if Robert Whitaker beats Costa, do you think he, he's going to wait for Izzy versus the Duplessis? At UFC 200, if that gets announced. And uh, yeah, and Dana White needs to uh, announce that 300 card. Thanks, guys. I honest, uh, and I've said, I don't, I think Cejudo is way, is going to be way more competitive than people think. I think Marab's going to win. I, I have a bet on Marab by decision. But like, just look at the odds right now. Look at the look at the point spread odds on this fight. Barab minus three and a half is plus money. And Henry Cejudo plus three and a half is minus 145. The betting community and the odds makers are saying this fight's gonna be close. Like this, this line, at least to the gambling community and the sharps out there, are saying this screams 29-28 Marab. Because I do think, honestly, I think this is going to look a lot like the Jose Aldo fight. But Cejudo's going to be able to get off the fence. And Cejudo can hit, man. Like, he can hit. 
He's a very good offensive wrestler. He's obviously a very good defensive wrestler. Yeah, Aljo took him down, but he wasn't able to do a whole lot with it. So, I mean, I do think this is going to be close. I really think this is going to be a close fight. And I know the whole th- people are kind of scared that, you know, when you hear a fighter saying the R word, that, you know, you just fade him immediately. Cejudo's just, a, he's a different cat, man. He's been doing this forever. He's been doing this forever. And sometimes when you're at that point, you got to put that extra chip on your shoulder. So I think Marab wins, but I think this is going to be a very competitive fight. I think if there's one guy in this, in this entire division who can give Marab trouble, it's, I think it's Cejudo. But I don't know if that's enough. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Two um, small things for you. So do you think the UFC is too big or too small? And part of the reason why I ask that is because they keep doing all these Apex cards. I get it. I don't like being the same person that bitches about Apex cards constantly. But they are annoying as hell. But I, they it's like they cannot build names. I absolutely love the Marvin Vittori versus Brendan Allen fight. But who the fuck is going to pay to watch that unless Brendan Allen is selling out some like fucking VFA in Louisiana? Like he's not going to sell that place out as much as I love him. And then the other thing that I wanted to add to that is um, why is Val Woodburn versus um, the Oban Elliott fight just such a fucking banger and nobody's talking about it? It's a good one. It's a good one. O- Oban's just Oban's a fun character. Like I loved his interview with Helwani yesterday, dude. It just seems salt of the earth. Everything about him, he just seems like seems like he just loves fighting, and he just love like he's just in it for the love of the game. Like it wants to do well, but it seems like he's just in it for all the right reasons. And Val Woodburn is, you know, kind of a get or get god dude. And he's not fighting Bo Nickel on super short notice, which is always a, a plus. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Like I said, the prelims are gonna be good. Not a lot of name value, but they're gonna be good. We're gonna have like a squash match here and there. I think there's gonna be a bunch of finishes on the prelims. Like, I, there's a lot to like here. The other question is: the UFC too big or too small? It's a great question. I don't know. I'd probably lean towards too big for like how you're contextualizing this because of the apex thing. But I mean, look, at the end of the day, they have to put on these events. They have to fill 42, 43 cards a year. And like you said, Brennan Allen, Marvin Vittori ain't selling out a lot of arenas, but at the same time, the UFC is on fire right now. They are on fire. And if they put Brennan Allen versus Marv Vittori in like a 7,500-seat arena in Louisiana, I think it would sell out just because of the UFC. I don't think they give a shit who's fighting. They're just like, oh, the UFC is in town. And that's why I think like they could, they could leave the Apex. They could. They could even sell... Brandon Allen, Marvin Vittori is a main event, and people will buy tickets to go. 
they're not going to fill up, you know, the freaking Superdome. They're not going to fill out a, the Honda Center with that main event, but it's probably like a college basketball place, you know, like a college basketball gym somewhere that could fit 6,000 people. The UFC is just that hot right now. But yeah, but from a business standpoint, like I, if I'm the UFC, I'm never leaving the Apex. Why would you? You know how much money they're pocketing? ESPN pays them a shit ton of money. And they pay them a shit ton of money for every event. And it is up to them how they want to allocate those funds. Some of it goes to production. Some of it goes to this. Some of it goes to that. But when your production is in-house and it costs you zero, you get to pocket all of that money. So from a marginal standpoint, they're mar like they profit so much money being at the apex. So from that stance, like why would you ever leave? It's clear they don't care what the fucking people think about the apex. Because they're just going to keep doing it. They're going to keep going back. And I honestly don't blame them for it. It's the whole thing about fighter pay at this point. Because we all want fighters to be paid more, right? But fighters don't seem to want to do anything about it other than occasionally talk about it. So unless like they care, why should we care? And it's the same thing with the Apex cards. The only way to change this, there's two ways to change this. One, when they sign this new TV deal, whoever's giving them all this money has to say, hey, we still want you to do 43 events, but no Apex. You can still do the Apex for the Contender Series and the Ultimate Fighter and all that shit, but no more. Or it is up to you to say, fuck this. I'm not, I'm canceling my ESPN Plus subscription. I ain't watching this Apex shit anymore. And that's the only way it changes. Other than that, they ain't changing it. And they shouldn't. And even then, I don't think they'll change it. Because if you leave, all it does is just kind of hurt their negotiations slightly when they re-up the deal or negotiate a new TV deal. But even then, like they're still getting the same amount of money, whether 300,000 people watch the Apex cards or 2 million or 12. The check's still the same amount of money. So... But it's just soulless right now. The Apex is just soulless. Even Jack Hermanson, the nicest guy in the world, most positive guy on, on earth, is like, nah, I'm over this shit. I'm over it. Can't do it anymore. But it ain't going anywhere, guys. I'm sorry to tell you. Unless the money speaks differently, and I don't think it's going to. Saul, go ahead. Just got to unmute yourself. Oh, sorry about that. Hey, Mike. You're good. So I got a question about the main event, Alex versus Ilya. So Alex has already cleared out the division. So if he wins, what's the next fight to make? And if uh, Ilya wins the title, what's the fight to make there too? Because... You know, I'm I'm asking that question because Ilya has already kind of dismissed all the other guys like Max and uh, what's his name? Um, 
Ortega. So, what do you think about that? Mm. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. Um, let me look at this because, again, there's this whole thing about Volk cleaning out the division. And I don't know if that's like all the way true. Yes, he beat Holloway three times. This is a six title. This is what? He's had six title defenses. Half of them were Max Holloway. Beat Brian Ortega. Beat Ayer. Beat Zombie. He's fighting Taporia. Hasn't fought Avloyev yet. Hasn't fought Arnold, Arnold Allen yet. Hasn't fought Josh Emmett yet. Hasn't fought Calvin Cater yet. Hasn't fought Giga Chikadze yet. Hasn't fought Bryce Mitchell yet. He hasn't cleaned out the division. He's beaten some guys, but he hasn't cleaned out the division. In his title reign, he's beat four guys in his title run. It's not his fault. You can only like fight who they tell you to fight. But there are guys he can fight. Him and Mobzar is a is a good fight. I would watch that fight. Him and Arnold Allen, I mean, he's got to get back in the win column. But Arnold Allen should have just got a freaking title shot. Instead of throwing it. This is my issue with the Max Holloway fight. People thought I was crazy, but Arnold Allen had done enough to get a title shot. That would have been a fun fight. And there are guys coming in this division. The Lerone Murphys of the world. The, the uh, Diego Lopez's of the world. They're coming. They're coming. So he could fight Evloyev. I have no insight to this whatsoever. My hunch is if Volkanovsky goes out and beats Ilya Teporia, I think he's done at featherweight. I think he will vacate the belt, and I think he will move up to 155. That's what I think. Maybe he's just bored at 45. Maybe he just doesn't want to cut the weight anymore. And I'm, by the way, totally fine with that. Totally okay if that's what he wants to do. He wants to do another, he wants to challenge himself in a different way. Totally fine with that. As long as he vacates the featherweight title. And I kind of feel like he's gonna. Kind of feel like he's gonna. And then Avloyev gets to fight for the vacant belt against somebody else. Uh, we'll take one more. Octagon blog, go ahead, that I have to go. Yes, Mike, how are you? Uh, secondly, um, well, I'd like to talk to you about the lawsuit. We are in the middle of February, and the lawsuit will be in April, I think. Uh, what if the UFC will lose this lawsuit? against Kung Lee and all the other fighters. Um, to my knowledge, they will be sold by Endeavor to either Abu Dhabi or maybe to Saudi Arabia, Riyadh season. I'd like to hear your take. Thank you and good luck. 
Why would they do that? I I don't think that's I don't think that's true. Look, if there's there's a good chance they're going to lose. Um, they have infinite amount of money right now. In like they have so much money, it's ridiculous. They're fine, and even if they lose the lawsuit, it's going to suck. But they their next TV deal is going to cover the losses, like just the TV deal. Not not that does has nothing to do with all the other stuff. All their sponsorship deals are massive. Like they are just making so much money. And it's not like if you lose a case like this, you're just like, hey, you have to write a check for a billion dollars. No, you can pay it off over time. Look at the NFL. They've been in lawsuits. They've lost lawsuits. They had to pay out like you look at the sums and you're like, oh, my God, like how could they survive? And you realize you're like, what are we talking about? Like they're the NFL. They're the like. And, and when it comes to American television, they are the biggest powerhouse on planet Earth. Yeah, they're fine. They just pay it off. It's all good. So, yeah, it'll sting. Will it change anything? Mm-hmm. But, ooh. Really? Let me look at this real quick. My buddy, uh, Nolan King, just tweeted something out. Um, Boardwalk Hall advertising. Blanchfield Fioro is the main event for UFC Atlantic City. And they're also advertising... Vicente Luque versus Joaquin Buckley on that card. Interesting. Well, we'll see how that all plays out. But yeah, we'll see how the suit goes. I have no idea how it's going to go. But even if they lose, it's going to be fine. Like they got, They got money. They can cover it. And they'll cover it over a long period of time. Okay, I got to go. A lot going on. Uh, BTL, coming up in an hour's time as you hear my voice live. Uh, we'll battle it out. New York Rick will join us. He will battle against Jed. We'll talk a lot of UFC 298. We'll talk 300. Um, and then we're going to have a little Q&A round uh, at the end. So it should be a lot of fun. So join us. In about 58 minutes on the YouTube channel for BTL. And then tomorrow's going to be a busy day. Uh, heck of a morning. I think we're going to do it on YouTube tomorrow. I think that's the plan. Not 100% sure yet. And then we'll have the weigh-ins. I believe they start at noon Eastern. We'll have a preview show tomorrow. And then Saturday, off to New York. People's pre-fight show. Watch party. Post-fight show, Casey will be boots on the ground. So we'll have all the press conferences and the scrums and all that stuff. We'll have on to the next one live on Sunday. And then it's onwards and upwards to, thank God, not the apex. We'll be heading to Mexico City. 
trying to confirm this Buckley news. This Buckley UK news. Uh, as this is all going on. And apparently, uh, it is. So, how about that? Okay, so thank you. See, this is what happens you have to balance multiple things. You hear the clack, clack, clack into the keyboard. But thank you all very much. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.